Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to Connecting the Dots with Delro. I am your lovely host, Dylan Del Rosso, a.k.a. Delro, and I am here to help showcase the power of networking, both professionally and personally. On this podcast, myself and my incredible guests will share our stories on how the art of connecting has shaped our lives and careers. We'll share our successes, failures, embarrassments, tips and tricks, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, and much more. What I'm getting at here is we're all here to connect with each other genuinely, doesn't sound that bad, right? Well, listen, you'll be hearing plenty of me, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's been some time since we have recorded, but we are excited to be here uh, today on Connecting the Dots with Delro, episode eight. Uh, I am joined by the highly motivated problem solver and co-founder and CEO of Dreamfield, Louis Pardillo. Uh, for those of you who live under a rock, uh, Dreamfield is a marketplace for collegiate athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness, or NIL which is, of course, uh, all very new for all of us, um, which is why we brought you here today, Lewis. Welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, you know, I was looking for a reason to record another episode for um, everybody in my network. They know it's been a little while here, so couldn't think of a better guest to get back to it here Thank you so much for being on the show, man. So um, would love to get right into it only because there's so much to cover. Uh, I've been very excited to get this going. So, Lewis, I'd love for um, the people at home to know a bit more about how you end up as a co-founder of such a fast-growing business in a world of sports and business. Can you let everybody behind the curtain for a second and share a bit more about who Lewis is and how you found yourself where you are now? Yeah, no, it's uh, it'd be my pleasure. So uh, I guess most of my career I've worked in operations. Um, I worked for Mama Bell, uh, you know, uh, AT and T for many years in their headquarters, uh, doing real estate um, construction project management to you know headcount analytics. Uh, learned a lot there, and then I actually ended up moving to New York City, working in um, in real estate multifamily. Uh, apartment buildings. And, uh, you know, that's actually where I learned um, a special niche of industry that I call uh, compassionate capitalism, which is really focused on how do you build a business solving real world issues and really helping people, but at the same time, building business out of it. And so we built micro apartments in New York City, which I'm sure, as you know, where you're based, it's extremely expensive. Oh, yeah. Price prohibitive for most people, uh, you know. Shows like uh, Seinfeld or How I Met Your Mother—they really set people up for failure when they get so excited to move to the city and then they find out a uh, a studio apartment's thirty-five hundred dollars a month, right? So uh, we solved for that, and uh, the business was great. Unfortunately, COVID um, shut down that industry, like it did many industries, and uh, uh, found myself suddenly uh, unemployed for the first time in my life. So. Uh, as my uh, parents have told me many times, you get 24 hours to cry about it and then you get back to work. So uh, right right about 24 hours later, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I started focusing on what was next. And uh, my one of my two partners uh, actually gave me a call uh, probably about a few days later and, and kind of tipped me off to what was going on in California with NIL, the uh, 
the bill that passed yeah. over there. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more in a yeah. little bit, but uh, it kind of intrigued me seeing there was an opportunity for a new industry to really help people and really solve for a problem that that's been a, a problem that's lasted way too long. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's basically where we're at today. That's fantastic, man. Now, listen, uh, let me tell you, you, you mentioned COVID kind of shut down that opportunity uh, for you with the micro apartments in New York city. You know, obviously everybody had to pivot, man. And I'm so happy for somebody who had to leave, didn't have to leave, but had left sports in the thick of this COVID situation. You know, you, you miss it a little bit. And, and for those who are, you find themselves back in the industry or, or doing something as advanced as you are, you got no reason not to root for these people. So, so happy you ended up where you are, man. Um, so I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the NIL for the audience who might be a little bit more unfamiliar with this massive bill and the laws that were passed recently. Um, I'm going to ask you for your expertise on the matter and break down just briefly what NIL is and, and how this new market's going to have an effect on the sports world, in your opinion. Yeah. So uh, first off, it, it's it's a shame that there's even a law about NIL. So for people that don't know what NIL is, it's essentially the right to profit off your personal brand, off your name, your image, or your likeness. Um, every other adult in this country has the right to profit off their personal brand except college athletes until July 1st. And so, I mean, we're talking even, even felons. It wasn't, it wasn't an issue. Crazy. And so the NCAA had chosen to not adopt new rules in order to open up the free market to college athletes. And it really was the states stepping up and making that decision that they would pass a law that would essentially force or mandate the universities within the states uh, where they, they, you know, they have authority to, to um, essentially allow this, um, you know, uh, this activity to occur. And so um, essentially it was, it was a domino effect, which we knew what would happen. You know, it started with California and Colorado. Um, but, you know, unfortunately when they set, their law, it, it wasn't to enact until 2023. And then when things really started moving, it was the state of Florida um, that came in and said, you know what, not only are we going to follow their lead, we're going to, we're going to make sure this is active a year from the moment of signing, which landed on July 1st, 2021. That gotcha. triggered more and more states, which I believe at this point, we all stopped counting because it's sort of moot at this point, but it, I believe 25 states have passed laws um, or have um, done executive order uh, at the governor level to allow this, this activity to occur. And then really the day before July 1st happened, the NCAA basically threw in the towel and they said, all right, you know, we're temporarily waiving um, you know, this restriction. It, it no longer can an athlete be um, I guess held, uh, you know, it, as far as ineligible yeah, uh, for, yeah. for capitalizing. So that's where we're at. Wow. So I have to tell you for somebody, you know, I, I like to think I keep up on all this stuff, but I, I know I don't do a good enough job. I didn't know it came down to the wire like that. Not that it came down to the wire, but 
the fact that the NCAA just said, listen, let's, let's do this the easy way, I guess. Right. Essentially. Um, so that's good, I guess. Um, yeah. So essentially, um, they had no choice. Uh, once they realized the States were going to go live, there would have been an unfair recruiting opportunity for those States, uh, for the schools within the States. So, uh, they really had no choice. And so, uh, but, but they waited till the last moment, which of course created an issue with, uh, schools in states that never had really thought through operationally how they would enact uh, right. NIL laws. So we're, we're sort of uh, sorting through that right now with a lot of different schools across the country. Well, I, I'm got, I have to say you gave me a good lead into this next question because I wanted to touch on and thank you for giving such a great explanation. Um, I wanted to touch on where Dreamfield fits into all of this and where where do they fit into the equation since July 1st? And, you know, I, I can only imagine um, you're not sleeping too much. Uh, you, you guys have been full sprint mode. I know that. So tell us a bit more about where Dreamfield fits into the equation with these athletes now being able to monetize uh, their name, image and likeness on and off the field court, whatever it might be. Yeah, no. So you you mentioned uh, a, a, a word earlier, pivot, which, yes, from a macro view, there was a pivot moving into this industry. But even within um, the specific industry, you know, early on, we've we've pivoted based on what we're seeing, what the demand is driving. Um, the place that we've found ourselves, which is really fortuitous for us, is groups have come to us for team deals. And that's become more and more popular. Uh, we did not intend for that. Um, we're not complaining. Uh, <laughs> but now we've become the go-to platform to support uh, companies looking to, um, you know, looking to work with athletes from a particular team or uh, an entire school. Uh, so um, about a month ago, we announced a partnership with the NHL Florida Panthers, right. and they. Uh, wanted to sponsor the entire female athlete population at Florida Atlantic University. And so um, as of this point, which we've closed out the campaign and we're going to be rolling that out as season begins here, uh, we have, I believe, 105 female athletes that have uh, participated in that offering. That uh, is we did too a, cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And Congratulations kind of goes, on that. Oh, thanks. You know, I, I appreciate that. We're very proud of that one. Um, it kind of goes into... Uh, some of the negative comments that have come from the industry that this would be only for those division one college football stars uh, or basketball stars. And it's not the case, you know, we're seeing more and more um, a lot of interest in female athletes and, you know, uh, walk-ons, uh, right. not just from Greenfield's perspective, but from other companies that we're seeing making headlines. It's, it's amazing. You know, there's great opportunities. And, you know, what's interesting, and, and we might touch on this later in the show as well, but I'm so happy to hear that. And, then you know, what I, I did think so for a second, too. I was nervous that it was just going to be the, rev- the, the highest revenue generating sports was going to get all the love. Already quickly, it seems like even some of the sports that don't generate all the revenue for these colleges, you know, golfers or, you know, some of the smaller team sports – these athletes are still getting picked up and they're making deals. And um, that's very cool. So um, I I wanted to pivot a little bit here. Uh, I've absolutely loved watching the endless amounts of opportunities that are presenting themselves for these student athletes across the country. It's 
what I love about it is it's, it's allowing them to become entrepreneurs, right? You're, you're giving these athletes opportunities to monetize this hard work that, you know, the, the sport is all they know, right? For so many of these athletes um, and to be able to make a business out of it in the real world, right? I mean, uh, while still being in school, um, what can you tell us from the athlete's perspective on all this? Like, are they given the freedom to determine their price and scope of work, if you will, or how does all that kind of boil down? Yeah. So I think right now there's a shaking out of what, what is market rate? You know, it's right now all over the place, right? So it's, I mean, that's no different than any new industry where uh, people are trying to understand what a precedent, you know, is going to be set at. And so there's, there's obviously a lot of excitement. um, But with that, there's also, uh, you know, I'm trying, trying to make sure I phrase it correctly. No, it's here, all but, good. Take time. You know, I, learning pains. I, I guess is the best best way to describe it. You know, uh, to for most of these athletes, this is the first time they're earning, uh, you know, revenue. So there's things to factor like taxes and withholdings and uh, ensuring, you know, that if they need to fill out a W-9 form or collect a 1099, that's one of the things Dreamfield solves for. Uh, not, not trying to do a pitch here, but, uh, you know, but these are real world things that that they're thinking through another thing is uh you know terms of contract right right you know, there's encumberments there's liability that they need to factor in and then you know with having almost five hundred thousand college athletes you know not many of them percentage-wise are going to have agents or representation right. uh, to really help them through these things and unfortunately a lot of them don't even have uh, you know family support uh, to, to really walk them through some of these things. So it, it, it's sort of, like I said early on, it, it's, it's shaking out, um, you know, uh, and then on the business side, it's the same thing. I think we're seeing what I'm referring to as phase one or the first wave, which is these enterprise consumers on a national level looking to jump in. I think we're going to see a second wave come here shortly, which is going to be more of a localized business focusing on local athletes. Right. which will affect everything from division one to division three. Um, you know, are these athletes the heroes of their town? Are they the celebrities of their town? Well, who else would you want endorsing your product at a local level than, than your star athlete? So um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot that's going to shake out. I'll, I'll sure. leave it there. Well, yeah, listen, it's, and you're totally right in my opinion, and and it's still so early, right? I mean, who knows where this could go, but um, you touch on the business side of things and I wanted to flip the script for a second and and actually touch on that uh, and how they go about partnering with these athletes. So with influencer marketing being as big as as it is right now, right? My full service advertising and PR agency is investing time and effort and money into influencer marketing. So um, I'm sure companies were chomping at the bit when they heard they can now get well, now that athletes are on the table, right? Um, So what are a few examples of companies um, that Dreamfield's partnered with, with some of your athletes? Yeah. So I'll start with the big fish that we uh, are very proud to be partnered with. And that's uh, Mercedes-Benz USA. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great one. Well, we're, we're uh, very excited about that one. And, uh, you know, they knew early on, they wanted to work with college athletes. They didn't exactly know in what capacity and, and how big 
they wanted to make it as part of their uh, annual marketing budget. But um, we did our first campaign. Might be might be two weeks ago at this point. I'm not sure. I mean, oh, this is still kind of very fresh. Yeah, and uh, it was out in Los Angeles. Um, it, it's part of a six-city campaign that we're doing for them, uh, uh, really announcing their new EQS, which is their all-electric vehicle. And uh, we worked with a superstar female athlete, volleyball player from UCLA named Mac May. Uh, she did an amazing job. I, I think her post uh, uh, with Mercedes outperformed pretty much every single post except like Rafael Nadal, if if that's the correct tennis player, wow. which is you know obviously that's a, that's a global uh, that's you know global one name, of the highest paid athletes of all time. Yeah, she she outperformed uh, MLS soccer players and other uh, you know other icons that they've worked with. So it was phenomenal. Uh, we are. Next week, we haven't announced the athlete yet, but it's a big name. Uh, we're doing our second city in Atlanta, Georgia. Nice. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, so that's that's one example of a global brand. I mentioned earlier uh, the NHL, you know, hockey team, the Florida Panthers. They're working with, uh, which will be, I believe, 105 to 110 female athletes uh, from Florida Atlantic University. Um, that's going to be an ongoing campaign where they're going to be participating at games, you know, promoting on social media, like you mentioned, it's, it's a big piece of it. Um, cryptocurrency is a huge industry right now. (laughs) We've gotten, so if if you're okay with it, I'd like to announce something that, uh, we just put the press release out literally 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, Hot off the press, uh, exclusive right here. Go for it. Right. That's right. So we just, um, we just did a deal with uh, Lyft Token. It is a um, clean energy uh, utility token on the blockchain. Um, big up and coming company. They are sponsoring the University of Florida football team, so Florida Gators. Uh, it's nice. an offer that will go out to all of them, as well as one mystery school we have not announced yet. It'll be announced next week. Uh, it's a very unconventional place, but it's actually really cool. And I wish I could say more because it kind of goes into what we were talking about, where it's not just the Miami's, the Florida States, the uh, Texas schools. It, it's some of these schools in, in places that you don't think about too often, but right. there's opportunities for, for everyone. So um, we're very excited about that. Um, their budget for the two schools, I believe it's over $150,000, you know, wow. in a six week campaign. So um we're very excited about that yeah yeah it's 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 really good to see but you know that's not the only cryptocurrency uh, company that's reached out to us we worked with a group called yummy crypto they they're a uh they're charity-based cryptocurrency uh they sponsored the florida state football team for the month of september and um we're talking to three other cryptocurrency groups right now for big team sponsorships so that's big yeah yeah it's not going anywhere, man. That, those are cool. I, I'm, and you know what? You, uh, for anybody who you know keeps a, a pulse on the industry, you know, you knew that that the blockchain was going to be in here early, and because because they're on the fringe, they know what's next. They, it's these two industries are coming up together. I'm glad to see that they're pairing up already. Um, 
So I wanted to do something uh, I do with uh, every guest, um, and that's some rapid fire questions just for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. You haven't seen these. I just put them together probably the same time your press release just went out. Um, So just four quick ones here. Nothing too crazy, but um, wanted to start with uh, keep it in the world of sports. So what's the craziest sporting event you've ever been to quickly? Uh, yeah, it's easy. Uh, USF versus UCF 2017, the black Friday game. It was, uh, I think the game of the year, uh, I was there. Yeah. I, I, I lost it. Uh, it was, I'm a UCF alum. So, uh, uh, pulling that game out was by far the, the most insane. I'm going to throw a second one in there. I was at game seven of the 1997 world series Marlins versus uh, Cleveland. Uh, wow. Game one and extra innings, uh, correct counsel uh, crossing the plate. That was, I was 15 at the time, probably outside of my wedding, which I have to say, you know, by default, <laughs> um, best day of my life. That was oh, by far the best day of my life. All right. Well, those are two good answers. And yes, uh, your UCF coffee mug made an appearance earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're all you're, you got it all, man. So next one, hamburger or hot dog? Keeping it simple on you here. Oh, uh, man, I'm going to go hamburger there, which it, is, also, it also depends on the occasion, right? Like if you're on the golf course, maybe it's a hot dog. But you know what? I knew most people lean on hamburger there. Um, Favorite city. Now your hometown doesn't count, which if you want to give your hometown love, that's fine. But what's your favorite city outside of it? Uh, I'm going to go San Diego. Um, Great choice. Singapore. Uh, I went to Singapore. Singapore is awesome. I I have to go check that out. It's, it's, It's like, city of the future. I, I love it, but yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a tough travel to get out there. So I'd say San Diego, yeah. San Diego is certainly my favorite city. Been out there a few times. All right. Last one. Coolest celebrity you've ever met. Not the biggest, the coolest. Well, this goes to both the rock. Oh yes. I'm so happy to hear that. I met him when I was like 16 uh, in my hometown where I grew up, he used to work out at the gym over there down in South Florida. So, uh, uh, met him once and I was like, a like a little girl <laughs> screaming, like I saw, uh, you know, a boy band. It was, it was, oh man, it was surreal. Yeah. Was, was that when he was uh Kane? Was he, was he in school and down at Miami? No, 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 no. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, he was wrestling at the time. So, uh, he, he was, uh, he was in the WWE. So okay. that was like, 99 98 so he was already the rock um gotcha yeah listen my wwe uh knowledge is is obviously not great so sorry (laughs) to mess up the timeline but hey thank you thanks for being a sport with the rapid fire questions so um we'll get back into it here uh we're actually um getting toward the end of the show and um i wanted to ask and you, you mentioned this earlier uh, but I, I want to really pick your brain on it. So not to make things about me, which I love doing, um, but I did want to say I do feel a bit robbed having only missed the cut on all this by five years. You know, I was a college athlete myself, a division three college pitcher at Misericordia University, which everybody knows, I'm sure by now. But with that being said, um, I, I can't help but feel as if 
I was, I would be chewing up all the local businesses uh, in little Dallas, Pennsylvania, although I'm not chewing up the innings on the field, right? I, I, I was not the all-star uh, on the Cougar baseball team, but you know, the salesman in me, the entrepreneur, I couldn't help but feel like I'd find a way to make a deal. So uh, my question to you, Lewis, is do you see opportunities really presenting themselves to these athletes at the smaller schools, D2, D3, in the middle of nowhere? Um, and is it always going to have to be the all-star player? Or can a kid with a smart business sense and a personality really shine through uh, and find some opportunities here? Yeah, so look, it's it's a loaded question because NIL is more than just doing social media campaigns, right, oh, yeah. or autograph sessions. Um, I can't remember the school, but some athlete out in Tennessee, he's also like a, an aspiring country music singer. So since the NIL law changed, which it's ridiculous that he's even restricted from selling country albums, uh, country music albums, he's been selling that, uh, you know, his music. Uh, there's been athletes doing art that are really talented in graphic design or, or just, you know, traditional art that are now able to monetize themselves off that. Also look at, look at athletes like, um, and if you don't, if you don't know the story, it's really worth looking into the Donald Delahaye story. He was actually a, a punter out of UCF, my alma mater. And uh, he, you know, he was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was the backup punter, which is not really a, a marketable yeah. um, position, However, his social media um, following was huge. And so he started making content on YouTube. And I, I'm not going to go into the whole story because it's, it's, it's absurd what they did to him. But essentially, he had to choose between his YouTube channel and playing football. And he chose a YouTube channel. And, you know, last I checked, which it's been a, probably six months, but he had over three million followers on YouTube. And I mean, the guy's killing it. And you wow. know, he made the right choice, but it, it sucks right that he had to make a choice. You know, it's like, it's unfortunate that he had to make that choice, but, you know, I I use that as an example that it's not just the quarterback. I mean, does that tap into division two, division three? No, but, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're in the first wave right now. It's, it's the Gatorades, the, you know, the, the Nikes, the Mercedes Benz that are, you know, pulling out the big budgets to work with the bigger athletes or even the team deals. You're going to see the local pizza shop, you know, the, the local restaurants, the car dealerships, working with the athletes in their area that are local celebrities. It's going to happen if it's not already happening now. Right. We're more focused on enterprise just based on the way the industry came to us. But it's inevitable. Uh, it only makes sense. So Great. So you made me think here as you were explaining that um, – with myself, right, in my current position, uh, you know, VP of sales in advertising and public relations, right, you know, being this full-time connector um, with influencer marketing being as big as it is right now, that request is coming in hot. We're hearing that all over the place. And our, our clients that are in industries that maybe you wouldn't have ever thought that there would be an interest like that, you know, supply chain and logistics, right? You know, for me, I never would have thought influencer marketing was going to find its way over there. It has, it's there and it's working, Um, you know, so it's craziness. And I wanted to maybe ask you how somebody like myself or an agency or anybody in media um, would work with somebody like you, like, like, let's say my local client wants to book an athlete do do I just send them to you or would you 
we would work with the agency together? How does that work? Yeah, look, uh, when, it, when it comes to an agency, we understand that it, it, you know, and we're actually doing this with Mercedes-Benz. So we're working with their primary third party that manages uh, social media and live events. And, you know, it's great. It's, it's a great relationship. You know, we're, we're sort of the three of uh, the three groups are, are working together to coordinate. Um, it would be the same thing with an ad agency where, you know, probably the vision is going to come from the client. The ad agency is going to assist in actually rolling out what the campaign requirements are, what they're looking for, the terms, helping us with drafting the, the agreements that are specific to their, their campaigns. And then it's really up to us to go out, procure the athlete, uh, get everything flowing through our system uh, from payments to tax documentation to compliance. We handle everything so that the client, whether it be the ad agency in this scenario or, or the, you know, the actual main client themselves, it's, it's little work for them. They just have to tell us what they're looking for the athlete to do. And then we go ahead and we, you know, we push out the campaigns, we monitor the activity. Uh, and then, like I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, when the campaign ends, we handle the payment, we handle uh, the, the, uh, the tax documentation, everything like that. It's, it's fantastic. And you mentioned something that having worked in a college athletic department myself for three years, um, the word just gives me the shivers compliance. Um, you know, uh, now just even through this episode and this recording here, um, you've made it clear that there's obvious handholding that's needed right on this first wave of everything. And that's yep. why you guys, I think have put yourself in such a good position. So, with that in mind, as well as compliance, what would just be some, you know, off the cuff uh, advice to some of these athletes who maybe are hesitating to do something like this? Or uh, what, what would your be? What would your advice be to college athletes right now thinking about NIL in regards to compliance or in regards just to just in general? But yeah, anything to look out for. Definitely, if if there was something specific to touch on in compliance for sure, but also just in general. Yeah, look, uh, first thing that I would tell them to look out for is one-sided contracts. Um, you know, when you're not represented, when you don't have the experience on redlining agreements and and, and reading through, you know, uh, those terms, you tend to just look at what the what the financial implications are. And so be wary of, of contracts that are coming from a client. One thing that we do is we don't allow clients to uh, create and draft agreements, we actually have our templates. Obviously, we work with the clients to adjust, but we're always looking out for the athlete's protection. And so we have clauses in there that we do not bend on. Uh, we're, we're very uh, strict on that. Um, payment, you know, there, there's a lot of scams out there. So there's a lot of companies that will reach out to an athlete on, on Instagram or, you know, some DM on a social media and then offer them payment to do social media posts. But what happens is once they do the post, then those people disappear and they'll never collect payment and the work's already done. So keep in mind for that. Uh, third thing is, you know, uh, I highly recommend that, you know, if you're getting a lot of activity, you may want to incorporate yourself, you may want to potentially look into getting some insurance to protect yourself. Uh, there's a lot of bad people, nefarious people out there. Um, but, you know, work with a reputable company like Dreamfield that's looking out for the athletes that's, you know, acting as a true third party 
you know, administering payment, administering taxes. And of course, that's the last one. Make sure you're paying your taxes at the end of the year. Uh, that That's the most important thing. Um, ideally, you would withhold funds throughout the year. Uh, look, I even find myself having trouble doing that at times. And, you know, I'm pushing 40. So I know that's a tough thing. But, you know, keep in mind that you will owe taxes. And uh, that's very important. And then, you know, I'll throw in one last one in there is, is disclose to your school. Uh, you know, work with your compliance department. I will say that from July 1st to now, it's been a big shift in how the compliance and the administrations are viewing NIL. They were extremely territorial and standoffish at the start. And now they understand the industry and they understand the importance of their athletes succeeding in this space. Um, And so they're willing to, in most cases, they're willing to assist. They're willing to make sure that you're doing it the right way. And so just work with, with the school, you know, um, and, uh, you know, ask them for advice. Listen, that was not a place to spare details. So I'm (laughs) very happy that you did. That's really helpful, man. And, you know, I'm just thinking that I was sitting in those, their seats again, just five years ago. So, and, and a lot of that rang true to me. So with, us coming toward the end of the show, Lewis, uh, before we wrap up here, I'd love if you could tell us what is next for you um, and for Dreamfield and what should we be on the lookout for? Yeah. So one thing that's um, really big for us is identifying as a true agnostic marketplace. We are not here to take an agent or marketing reps role. We love the agents. We love the marketing reps. They have a very important role. And so in order to continue down that path of working together with them, we're actually rolling out uh, what we're calling our agency CRM tool. Uh, It should be launching in about a month. Uh, We'll be doing beta testing with a group of about 10 agents and marketing reps around the country. And so what's important about this is it allows the agents to manage their clients using our platform. Wow. And, um, you know, the biggest pain points that we're hearing from agents is collecting payment from clients, chasing them down for tax docs, the 1099s at the end of the year, um, all of all of the pain points. That's what our platform does. We handle all of that processing. We're integrated with one of the best contract softwares in, in the world, uh, one of the best payment processing companies in the world. We've integrated with multiple compliance softwares that represent schools. So athletes don't have to submit paperwork. We do it on their behalf. You know, our platform is there to be the ultimate processing machine really in the space. And so now the next evolution is to get the agents and the marketing reps involved to help their clients out. So that's what's coming next. We're super excited about it. It's keeping us busy. Um, you know, but, and, and this is, by the way, this is a complimentary tool. We're not, we're not monetizing this. I'm sure my, uh, my investors are thrilled to hear that, but uh, we see it as, as a way to continue to uh, advance in this industry and become that trusted partner. Um, so that's coming next. Well, Lewis, I have to tell you, man, um, of course you and I are newer friends, but we've already uh, have, have, 
talked about so many different sides of your business and you guys have your ducks in a row, man. I can't seem to find a gap. And I know that's because you're behind the curtain making sure uh, everything is running properly like a well-oiled machine, as well as looking three or four steps ahead. So um, can't wait to see where all this goes. And I'm going to be, maybe we'll do a separate, just little three minute video, whatever this next big announcement is you got in a few weeks. Cause I'm going to be dying to know, but Lewis, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you've been a fantastic guest and, um, unless you have anything, any last words, this was fantastic, man. Thank you so much. No, I got nothing. Just thank you so much for your time. It was, it was great to do this. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up on, uh, when we roll out our, our agency around. Fantastic. Well, Lewis, thanks so much. Take care guys. Connect with Lewis on LinkedIn and find out more about Dreamfield at dreamfield.co.